0: like to begin this morning with a little exercise in faith, and this is something that I did with our middle and high school students on Wednesday night. I actually read some news headlines, and then I asked the students to vote on whether they thought those were actual news headlines or whether I simply made them up. So I'm going to give you that same opportunity this morning, so I'll let you raise your hand if you believe it's true or if you doubt it. Are you with me? We're on the same page? Okay, here is the first news headline, Connecticut boy wakes up to find skunk in his bed. You believe that's true? Okay, how many of you doubt it? Okay, it's actually true. All right, here's the second one. California man trains pet alligator to steal from his neighbors. All right, how many of you believe that's true? How many of you say, I doubt it? Okay, you'd be right, I made that one up. All right, here's another. Drug dealer calls 911 and reports stolen cocaine. (laughs) Yeah, truth is stranger than fiction, right? Okay, that is true. All right, that was headline news. All right, what about this one? Possum in Florida gets drunk after breaking into liquor store. (laughs) Yeah, that's too strange not to be true, right? So you guys, okay, it's, it's true. Okay, it's true. What about this one? Man dressed as Santa Claus, arrested for shoplifting, at Toys R Us. You think that's true? Yes. Yeah, it's not. I made it up. Okay. <laughs> How about this one? Colorado police officer helps four-year-old boy inspect new home for monsters. You asked Oh, what a nice police officer. That's actually true. Okay, and here's the last one. You ready? Okay. Texas man stuck in ATM. Okay, just get a picture of this guy stuck in an ATM machine, slides help me note through the receipt slot to bystanders. Some of you saw this. It is true. Absolutely. Yeah, that actually happened. Listen, faith is such an important topic for us to consider today because what you believe or don't believe shapes your life. And in particular, what you believe or don't believe determines how you respond to the pressures and problems and pain, not just in your life but in the lives of those you love. And that was certainly true for the characters in the Christmas story. A young girl named Mary believes this message from an angel that she's going to have a baby in a most unusual way, a baby who will be called the Son of God. And what about Joseph? At some point, he finally believes the message of an angel that his pregnant fiancée, Mary, has been chosen by God to be the mother of Messiah, the Savior that God promised to his people Israel. And then there's the shepherds. They get this message from a band of angels that a baby's been born in Bethlehem. And by faith, they go to Bethlehem and find baby Jesus where? We sang about it this morning. Away in a feeding trough. Away in a manger. That's where they find baby Jesus. And then there's the, the wise men who follow this star by faith for months and months and months. And after about two years, they finally find the Christ child and worship him the one who has been born king of the Jews. All of these people displayed remarkable faith. And when baby Jesus grows up, he launches his public ministry. And his ministry and his message is centered on one thing, faith in him. And Jesus has a very powerful and a very direct message. Repent and believe the good news. What does it mean to repent? Well, basically it means to change your mind to believe that what God says is true. When you repent, instead of running from God, you turn and run to God and you believe that Jesus can actually give you a new life. Well, today I want us to consider a story about that kind of faith. It's a story of a woman and what she believed and who she believed and how her faith changed her life. Now, this story is found in Mark's Gospel. If you've got one of the Bibles that we provided, this is on page 816. It's in chapter 5. And the story that we're going to look at begins with verse 25. Jesus is on his way to heal a sick man's daughter. A crowd of people are following Jesus, and there's an unexpected turn of events. And this is what happens. And there was a woman in the crowd who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors through the years and had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she was worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched the fringe of his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his clothing, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel that she had been healed. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, All this crowd is pressing around you. How can you ask? Who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You have been healed. Now, there's some very important principles, some life-changing principles about faith that I want us to see. And the first is this. Faith is refusing to lose hope when things go from bad to worse. Refusing to lose hope when things go from bad to worse. How many of you listen to country music and are willing to admit it in church? I notice because I listen to country music. I listen to all kinds of music. But in country music, I notice that often the songs are about situations that go from bad to worse. You know, there's a guy that loses his job and then his wife runs off with his best friend and they repossess his pickup truck and then his dog dies. and Man, man it just goes from bad to worse. The woman in the story knew what that was like because this is what the Bible says. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors through the years and it's been everything she had to pay them, but she'd gotten no better. In fact, she was worse. This woman had been to every doctor in the book. She'd been to the doctors who were trained in Alexandria, the finest medical school of the day, but they couldn't cure her. She'd been to the the people who called themselves doctors, the one that you met on the back street in the alley, they couldn't cure her. She went to the doctors who used witchcraft and magic, but they couldn't cure her. And not only had these doctors been unable to cure her, they took all of her money. But that was only the tip of the iceberg this woman had suffered physically and she had suffered emotionally but probably most painful of all, she had suffered emotionally and spiritually because you see this medical condition that she had was considered something really serious in the Jewish culture. She was considered unclean. Everything she touched was considered unclean. She could not go to the temple to worship. It meant that she was cut off from the support that she desperately needed and after 12 years of going through this, the Bible says that her situation had gone from bad to worse. So let me ask you this. What do you do when that's your story? When things in your life go from bad to worse? When, when people that you love have situations in their life that go from bad to worse? When life is hard, do you ever say this to yourself? I just can't take it anymore. I just can't take one more fight with my spouse I just can't take one more problem with my kids. I can't take one more argument between my parents. I can't take one more unpaid bill, one more illness in my family. I can't take one more day of feeling this bad. Do you ever look up and say, God, don't you know how much I can take? Friends, listen to me. God knows exactly how much you can take. And what he wants us to do when life goes from bad to worse is to take our pain and our problems and our situations to him because that's exactly what this woman does. When things go from bad to worse, she goes to Jesus, why? Because in her heart is this little seed of faith that is growing, this faith that, that just maybe Jesus can do something about her situation, just maybe Jesus can heal her. Faith is refusing to lose hope when things go from bad to worse and secondly, faith is this. Faith is revealed in your actions. Faith is revealed in your actions. In this Bible story, this woman's faith is revealed in her actions. I mean, what does she do when she hears about Jesus? Does she say, you know, I think I'll just stay at home and, and uh, hope that Jesus will make a house call? Does she say, you know what? I'll wait till Jesus gets really famous and he has a TV ministry, and then I'll send a check, and if I send enough money, maybe I'll be healed. No, this woman takes action. She takes the initiative To do what she can about her situation. She wakes up one morning, she gets dressed, she heads out because her intention is to find Jesus and touch him. Look at this next verse. It says this. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched the fringe of his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his clothing, I will be healed. Friends, listen. Faith is more than hoping, it's more than praying. Faith is taking action. And what is the action that God wants us to take when life is really hard? Go to Jesus. To go to Jesus. When I was in high school, just a few years ago, there was a huge slogan. It was funny for a service. There was somebody that actually went to high school with me right in the front seat. And they knew exactly what I was talking about. Um, I went to Hylia High years ago, and there was this huge sign in the locker room. And in big letters it said, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And it was, you know, this, this motivational slogan that was often used by our coaches, you know, to motivate our teams, especially when they were getting killed, when they were losing. And they would say, when the going gets tough, and they expected the guys, the, the tough get going. And I remember hearing that over and over. And one day I was thinking to myself, well, you know, I really don't agree with that slogan anymore because I have a new version. When the going gets tough, go to Jesus. When the going got tough for this woman, she went to Jesus, and the question is, why did she go to Jesus? Here's the answer. Because of what she heard about Jesus. And this is really incredible. Where do you suppose she heard about Jesus? Because it didn't happen in the temple. She was banned from the temple. It wasn't from the religious leaders. They wouldn't give her the time of day. Where did this woman hear about Jesus? It was on the street. It was from people like her, people who were social outcasts, from the cripples and the beggars and the tax collectors and the prostitutes. They told her that there was this man named Jesus who cared about people like her. There was this man named Jesus who could do amazing things, supernatural things. And friends, we have a God who still does amazing things, supernatural things, and he wants us to trust him. In fact, what God wants us to do is to seek him. Just as that woman was seeking Jesus on the street that day, God wants us to bring our situations to him in prayer. As this year comes to a close and a new year begins, I'm very excited about an adventure our church church is going to begin. In January, we're going to begin this church-wide campaign called 40 Days of Prayer. It was developed by Pastor Rick Warren. He's a pastor of Saddleback Church out in California. And church, this is an opportunity not just to hear about prayer, not just to learn about prayer, but to actually do what? Yeah, to pray and to see God, by his power, change us, change our families, and change our church. So with that in mind, here's a brief video that'll tell you a little bit more. Let's watch. During this 40-day adventure, there are so many things that we're going to be learning about prayer, and you can see some of the topics there in the video, and I want to strongly encourage you to do this, to be in a small group. Um, We actually have a place for you to sign up in the lobby. We have groups that'll be meeting during different days of the week at different times, and here's why that's so important. Being in a small group is not just the opportunity to learn about prayer, but to actually pray with and for each other and to see how God will respond. So church, I want to encourage you today, as you're leaving, just check out those, those times and those availabilities because this is so important. Praying together in faith is what unleashes the power of God in our lives. And that's the next point in your outline. Prayer is how we access the power of God. How we access the power of God. There were a lot of people crowded around Jesus that day, but only one person reached out and touched him in faith. And that touch of faith unleashed an amazing display of God's power. This is what the Bible says. It says immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel that she had been healed. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, because they just couldn't believe he was asking the question, all this crowd is pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? Now can you imagine what it would have been like to be this woman? She touches Jesus And in an instant, she's freed from all this pain and suffering that she's had for 12 years. I mean, every day she woke up to the same misery, and now it is completely gone. And as she looks around, people are still pushing and shoving and shouting as they follow Jesus. Nobody seemed to know what had happened, but Jesus knew. Jesus knew that somebody had touched him in faith, and because of her faith, and this is according to Jesus, because of her faith, this woman was healed, but what about this? What about people who have faith and are not healed? Does that mean that their faith isn't big enough, their faith isn't strong enough? It's important to remember that there are different kinds of healing. One is what you could call miraculous healing. That's what we see in the story. God uses his power to miraculously and instantaneously heal this woman. There are people in my family who have been miraculously healed by the power of God. There are people in this church family that I know personally who have been miraculously healed by the power of God. But there are other kinds of healing as well. There's something you might call natural healing. How many of you have ever cut yourself? Ever watched that cut heal? That's an example of natural healing. God designed our bodies with the ability to heal themselves. And there's another kind of healing. You could call it medical healing That's when God uses doctors and nurses and medicine and surgery to heal our bodies and restore us to health. And then there's this situation. Despite our prayers, despite the best efforts of the medical community, we remain unhealed. And you might call this delayed healing. There's a good example of this in the Bible. There's a man named Paul, a follower of Jesus in the first century and he had some kind of physical problem, and he said, God, would you please heal me? In fact, he prayed three times, and three times God said what? No, no, Paul, not gonna heal you, but I am gonna do this. I'm gonna give you my grace that will sustain you and will shape your character so that you can endure this physical problem in your life. And church, God still does that today because sometimes our healing is delayed. And this is important to realize because one day, every follower of Christ is going to experience this kind of healing, ultimate healing. It's where God takes us home, to a place called heaven where there is no need for healing anymore because we're completely restored. Death, disease, illness have been completely banished. And church, this is so important for us to, to really understand this morning because we live in a world, and we all know this, We live in a world where things are not the way they're supposed to be. Isn't that true? I mean, everywhere we look, people have broken bodies. And people have broken hearts and broken minds and and broken dreams and broken relationships. And that is what Christmas is all about. Jesus Christ enters our world to deal with all this brokenness. In fact, he said this about his mission. He said, I came to heal the brokenhearted and to set the prisoners free. And the story of Christmas is this this God who describes himself as one God, but yet he exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, God the Father sends God the Son, Jesus, to our world, and Jesus lives a perfect life. And then he allows himself to be arrested, to be beaten, to be crucified, and on the cross, God is willing to do this, to take your sin and my sin and place them on Jesus. So that when we trust Jesus, we can be forgiven. The death that we deserve, Jesus dies, And the record of his perfect life is given to us in this incredible exchange that only God could design. And of course, three days later, what happens? Jesus comes to life and he says, I want to offer you a new life. But listen, it's a life of faith. How do you become a Christian? It's by trusting Jesus, by faith in him that he is who he claimed to be, that he came to do what he said he did on the cross. You accept that by faith, but it's only the beginning because following Jesus every day requires what? faith. There was a quote I read one time by a woman, her name is Corey Tin Boom. She survived a Nazi concentration camp and she described faith this way, the letters F-A-I-T-H, fantastic adventure in following him. That's what faith is, a fantastic adventure in following Jesus Christ. So let's, let's do a quick review about faith. Are you with me? Okay, first of all, faith is refusing to lose what? Lose hope when things go from bad to worse. Secondly, faith is revealed in your what? Actions. Number three, faith is how we access the power of God. And finally, and this is so important, faith is the pathway to peace. It's the pathway to peace. Here's how the story concludes. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You have been healed. Those words who touched me were probably still ringing in this woman's ears when she slowly turned around and saw Jesus. And the Bible says she was frightened. Maybe she was frightened of what what Jesus might say or what he might do, but then she saw his eyes. And in the eyes of Christ, she saw this tenderness and this compassion and she started to pour out her heart. And this was really unusual because in the Jewish culture, a woman did not typically even address a man in public. But looking at Jesus gave her confidence and courage and she told him the whole story. And with great tenderness, Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Let me ask you this. How much peace do you have in your heart right now. I mean considering all the things that are taking place in this world, all the things that are taking place in your world, how much peace do you have? Because I've discovered this, that the amount of peace I experience is directly related to the amount of faith that I have. And so many people say, well I wish I had more faith, I wish I could overcome my doubt. The famous preacher D.L. Moody said this one time, he said, I prayed for faith And thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like a lightning bolt. But faith did not seem to come. Then one day I read in the Bible that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I opened my Bible and began to study. And my faith has been growing ever since. Listen, you can't just try harder and harder to have more faith. But there are things you can do to nurture your faith, to foster faith in your heart. And let me just point out some very practical things you can do. The first is this. Get to know God better than you already do. All of us can get to know God better. And one of the primary ways to do that is through the stories in this book. God has given us the Bible so that we can know his heart, so that we can know his purpose, so that we can know how much he loves us. And here's the deal. It's really straightforward. I want you to think about the person in your life that you trust the very most. Think about that person. What human being do you trust the most? And here's the follow-up. Why do you trust that person? Because you know them. You know how they feel about you because you can count on them to keep their promises to you. Listen, the better you know God, the more you will trust him. It's that simple. And that's what faith is all about. Now, here's another way that you can, can foster faith. Exercise the amount of faith you already have. You know, maybe this morning you've got a ton of faith. Maybe you've got a little bitty speck of faith this morning, but whatever amount of faith you have, you can exercise it because it's like a muscle. What happens to a muscle when you exercise it? It gets what? Bigger and stronger. What happens if you don't exercise it? It gets weaker, right? That happens with faith. You exercise faith, it gets stronger. You don't exercise faith, it gets weaker. And realize this, so often in our hearts, there's not just faith, there's doubt. There's a mixture of faith and doubt together. It's like the story where this man is trying to get the disciples to heal his son and they can't do it and finally Jesus steps in and Jesus says to this dad, do you believe I can heal your son? And the man is so honest. He says, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Ever been there? Boy, I have. There is this mixture of faith and doubt in our hearts. But here's what we can do. We can tell God exactly how we feel, and ask him to give us more faith. And here's another thing you can do to to foster faith in your life. Stay close to people who have strong faith. Stay close to people who have strong faith. Listen, there are things that happen that rock our world. I mean, think about Mary and Joseph. Something happened to them that rocked their world. There are times when it seems like circumstances are going to crush us. And our heart is filled with doubt and fear and uncertainty. And we need people next to us who have strong faith, who can come alongside and say, wait, 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 wait. God's still on his throne. You can still trust him. He still loves you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to fail to keep all the promises he's made. And friends, if you're married, this is so critically important. Because... One of the great benefits of having a believing spouse is that you benefit from their faith. I mean, God has graciously given me a believing spouse. My wife, Chris, so many times has encouraged me when my faith was small. And she said to me, Dudley, don't you give up. You keep going. You keep trusting God. And you know what? I actually held on to her faith. And friends, that happens in our lives. And and sometimes in a marriage You know, you have a husband and a wife and and there's a point where both of their faith is strong and that's a a great thing. But what happens when a husband and a wife both experience a crisis of faith? Well, that's why you need friends. That's why you need a church family so that other people can remind you of things that are true about God. And that really leads us to this, this fourth way that we can bolster our faith and it's this. Worship God worship God. That's what happens in this story. This woman falls at the feet of Jesus as an act of worship. My wife, Chris, and I were driving to the women's event yesterday, and boy, the weather was, was really bad. Some of you were caught in that weather, weren't you? We're driving on I-95, and it's starting to hail, and I look up, and the sky is is completely gray, and I said this to my wife, Chris. I said, you know what? I believe the sun is still shining, even though I can't see it. I believe there's a blue sky up there someplace. And here's why. Because I've experienced it before. And what I need is somebody to remind me that it's true. Do you realize that's what happens in worship? You're reminded of what is true? And listen, when you are filled with doubt, when your life is really hard, do not stop coming to worship God. Some of my most incredible, powerful, moving experiences of worship have been when my faith was just, it seemed to be gone. And God renewed my faith. God reminded me that he loved me. And God does that to us all. He reminds us that he is for us and he is with us. And he is the God who can be trusted no matter what. One final thought. The woman who came to Jesus that day didn't have any money. She didn't have any social status. She only had one thing to commend her to Christ, faith. And with one touch of faith, this nameless woman on a crowded street stopped the Lord of glory and healed her. Friends, there are so many people that get really close to Jesus but never touch him. Do you realize that? There are people who come to church their whole life and they hear about the Christmas story, and they hear about Jesus, and they hear about the bad news and the good news, but they never personally reach out and touch Jesus and connect to him by faith. One of my favorite Christian musicians who is now home with Jesus was Keith Green. Had a dramatic impact on my life, and he said this one time. He said, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. He was a very witty guy, but he's right. So what does make you a Christian? One thing, faith. Faith not in yourself, not in anything you could or will do, but faith in what Jesus has done for you. And listen, you can make that choice today to place your faith in Jesus Christ. You can make that choice today and experience the power of God in your life. And when you reach out and touch Jesus by faith, he won't ask, Who touched me? He'll know. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that that is so true, that you're always inviting us to come to you by faith. And Lord, even now, in this very moment, if somebody here today has never made that decision, maybe they've been in church so many times, maybe they've heard about Jesus, but they have never personally reached out in faith and touched him, I pray that right now, God, right here, their whole life would change by coming to you. And listen, if that's you, you can just say this in your own words. God, I need you. God, I realize I'm a sinner and I need a savior and his name's Jesus. And listen, God, I just want to tell you, I believe he died for my sins and, and came back to life and, and I, I just want to follow him I'm going to give you my life. And God, you always, always run to meet us when we reach out in faith and Lord that's true for every follower of Christ God I pray for every person here wherever we are God whether we have a lot of faith or a little faith or anything in between make our faith stronger God teach us what an incredible powerful loving holy amazing God you are so that we might love you and trust you more and God during this Advent season we are so thankful that there is this open invitation to come to come and see what you've done And Lord, as we sing this last song, I pray that it would be that opportunity to come to the manger, to come and see what you've done by sending Jesus Christ. For we pray in his name. Amen.